So uh, we're in a series called Duped, and we have been talking about uh, Satan and his tactics and his schemes. And over the last few weeks, we've been discussing many things that he does to try to uh, ruin us and destroy us. And last week, we discussed his relationship and his effect on the church. And this week, and I believe it's at the top of your notes, we're going to be talking about Satan's relationship to the world. Now, I want to do just kind of a little icebreaker for all of you. This is the participation part of the service. Uh, Here's how this is going to work. I'm going to say a word out loud, and I want, as a congregation, you to say the opposite of that word back to me, okay? So here's the warm-up. You ready? Hot? Okay. Hey, you guys are doing great. All right, let's try this again. We've got good, sit, clean, loud, soft, quiet, light, up, hard, life, UNC. <laughs> See, I knew it was going there. You guys would be all over the place, and uh, I'm sure all of your ba- brackets are busted. Uh, it's easy for us to identify opposites most of the time, isn't it? I mean, we don't have, that didn't take a lot of thought for you to d- determine light and the difference in that is dark. The things that contradict each other. Um, many of you have seen the before and after pictures of many different things in your life. Uh, you know, people like to post the pictures of the before and after of like, you know, they, before they do a weight loss challenge or some type of, you know, when they start working out and different things. So they always show the before, right? And what does the before look like? Have y'all noticed this? The before picture is them, you know, in their worst possible clothes they own, Right? Okay, they're, you know, standing to the side and either they're holding a phone or they're in the worst lighting, you know, they're just all slouched down and, you know, pasty white. And the next one, you know, they look like a Oompa Loompa, the after, you know what I'm talking about? Just burnt, you know, sucking it in and uh, just the before and after, complete opposites. And you can tell for most of the time, except I'm going to do a little flip on that, um, the before you get married and the after you get married pictures. Y'all know what I'm talking about? <laughs> My wife and I have this wedding album that used to sit on our coffee table. And I love, people would flip through them and they're like, oh, Jared, you were so cute. You had a baby face. Look at all the hair you had back then, you know? And uh, they flip through it. But there's this thing that happens. Once you say I do and walk down the aisle, it's like every step I could just, you know, feel the pounds packing on. I was like 135. I got to the end of the aisle. I was like 145. Like, what happened? You know, the before and the after. What if you saw those pictures? Now, maybe for you, you've kept it off. Keep, influence us. Keep us motivated is what I say. How about college? The same thing, right? The before college and then after the freshman 15. And you would think with cafeteria food, it was like, pfft, you know, you wouldn't want to eat, but it's like, man, I used to drink eggnog as a daily meal supplement. And then my mom and, you know, I came back and I look at pictures and I'm like, wow, what happened? Before you went to college, you were, and then now after you are this. So we can all identify with opposites and we can look at the befores and after. And this is all going to relate to the message that we're going to talk about today. All of us, our, our things have changed in our lives. You know, growing up, your wardrobe changes, women, you know, maybe yours is seasonal, your style, your preferences, even the music we listened to growing up. Or maybe in the 70s you were just like the, you know, the Doobie Brothers and the, you know, Leonard Skinners or whatever. Maybe you like the, the Temptations or something like that. And now it's like, man, turn it down. 
You know, it's, it's too loud. You come in here and you're like, oh, but back in the day, you'd just be rocking it out with the windows down, you know, singing like there was no tomorrow. Same thing could be true for like our car and automobile preferences. Guys, you know, think about back in the 70s, like I want the Nova, man. I want the, the 350, put a Hemi in everything I got, you know, driving around with the Super Sport Camaro. Now you're looking, going to the car dealership, there's like, does that Lincoln have lumbar support on, you know? Does this thing have heated seats? I mean, you know, our, our preferences and our style, it all changes as we get older. We, we change. So safe to say it takes place in us. But, but here's the thing. The change in us doesn't compare to the change that has taken place in the world right now, does it? And I'm not just talking about, like, technology and advancements and things like that. I'm talking about the culture and the way that it's changing. The moral and the ethical codes that are being accepted these days are alarming. And there's been this dramatic shift, especially in the last 10 years, but even more so over the last 30 years that we see, our society has slowly and slowly, their moral radar and their compass has just been taken. What was easily considered wrong back in the day is now at best compromised, right? How many of you grew up watching I Love Lucy? All the young people are like, who? Who's Lucy? There was a show that took place, uh, I believe it was 1951 and 1957, and um, it was about a couple, you know, that was married. And, and one of the things that's interesting, and many of you have probably heard this before, but on I Love Lucy, they didn't even show uh, the couple sleeping in the same bed. Do you guys remember this? Because this was frowned upon back in the day. They didn't want this to translate to that next generation that, you know, this was acceptable. Now, many people argue, you know, that the first people who actually were on TV that slept in the same bed were the monsters, you know, but then they said, well, they weren't really human, so that doesn't count. So then they're like, how about the Flintstones? Well, they were a cartoon. So we go back, and, but somewhere along the line from that point of I love Lucy and not sleeping in the same bed, now we fast forward 50 years, and you can't find a channel or a show that they're not sleeping in the bed with somebody who's either A, not their same gender, or B, not their spouse. Because the times in our society have changed. And the world has constantly and consistently pushed us to accept its views, its agenda, and for us to give in. I mean, it should be easy for us to identify what's right and wrong, shouldn't it? Especially for people who call themselves Christian. But we've seen that Satan has gained more and more control over Hollywood over the commercials, the advertising, the school system, the government. All around us we look, he has been gaining more and more control. And slowly what was considered racy or edgy or perverted or risque is now the normal. And most of us would agree that murder is wrong, right? I mean, we could look out and say, you know, that some person should not kill another person. But yet, it's amazing to me the people who call themselves Christian who still think that abortion isn't murder. I mean, you remember there was this big pro-life movement and you remember all the, the Facebook feeds and the news and everything just was bombarded. And we see this kind of cycle through all these events that take place and we may talk about a few others in just a minute. But how people will just stand up and voice their opinion, they'll get on their little soapbox and, and just, you know, put what they believe and I'm just amazed at how many people 
their, their moral, the things that they accept are so off base, especially if they call them self-Christian. I mean, we live in a society that says, you know, kill the babies, you know, save the whales. Kill the babies, save the rainforest. And it's, it's scary. And we should be alarmed by this. Now, my intentions aren't to get up here and just, you know, start casting, be the soapbox preacher. But, but here's what I want you to know, because, you know, I don't know what the dynamic is in the room. Maybe you're, this is your first time here. Here's what I want to say about the bridge. We are all imperfect people, and we're pursuing a perfect Christ. And we want you to know this this morning, that your past does not define who you are. Your future does. So it doesn't matter how you came in here this morning or what you've done. We're all sinners saved by Jesus Christ, and we want you to know that we love you here this morning. So here's the thing that I want you to know. Satan used to be very well hidden, right? I mean, how many of you remember the big fiasco of the rock and roll? If you play this thing back in reverse, if you play the tape back in reverse, they they are worshiping the devil, right? I remember that. Growing up, they had all these songs, and they used to talk about what they mean and different things. Maybe that's true. I don't know. But you remember these messages and Satan's agenda used to be hidden in in TV shows and advertising and and books and and religions. But, But here's the thing. We look at that change from I Love Lucy to now. He doesn't need to be hidden anymore. He could be right out in the open. And and it's accepted. When you look at the alarming rate the studies about pornography, okay? We see, you know, back in the day, I was talking to a good friend of mine. He said, you know, when I was younger, and this was, you know, back in the the 70s, he said, if I wanted to look at something like that, he said, I used to have to go and ask the lady behind the counter, the lady with the gray hair who stared at me right in the face like, you little scumbag. (laughs) And I had to ask her, and the whole time she just kept her eyes on me. And I had to pay and I'd, you know, keep my head down. And that's what it took for me, you know, to go and look at pornography. But now, all we have to do is turn on the Grammys, right? All we have to do is, you know, get on the smartphones and it's like, oh, look, it's, it's natural. Explore, you know, it's just, we're kind of finding out who we are. We look at what the definition of marriage is, right? And that was a big thing for North Carolina, you know, the last few years. And was it one man or is it one one man, one woman, you know, what is the Constitution? How does God define it? You know, and I don't want to obey those laws. And there's just states are wrestling with that idea. And we were sitting in um, a discipleship the other day, and um, Mike Moss, who is a good mentor for us and our staff, he takes time every week, and we go through, we're going through the book of James right now. And after the study was over, um, Pastor Jeremy was on his laptop, and he was kind of scrolling through, I think it was Facebook, and uh, Mike happened to walk by and he looked. He said, hey, man, those are the... And he pointed to the sidebar of the screen. Because, you know, a lot of times when you're looking at, whether it's Fox News or Facebook, you have, to, you have to put the blinders on. You know what I'm talking about? You got these ads and these people, these things that are like going, look at me, look at me, you know, and you have to kind of like stay zoned in. And so he says, hey, those are the same four girls that were trying to hit on me last week. He said, isn't it amazing? You know, they, and they know exactly who I am and what I want. You know, looking for a, a guy, you know, if I'll just use me as an example, a 32-year-old balding guy, you know, pastor. That's what they want. And it's amazing how we don't have to search for it anymore. It just, it comes to us. We see in, in the recent weeks or months how, you know, with Colorado and um, 
the legalization of marijuana and, and, and all that that's done. I mean, and now more and more uh, states are jumping on board. This whole idea of what used to be normal and what now is considered normal, we can identify they're in direct opposite of each other and they change. There's not much black and white anymore. There's a lot of gray areas. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Isaiah chapter 5. This isn't where we're going to land, but I do want to point this kind of passage of Scripture out. After that, we're going to be at Ephesians chapter 2, and I believe that is there in your um, card. But I believe that what we're reading about in this verse is exactly what Isaiah was talking about. It's exactly what he saw in Isaiah chapter 5 verse 20. And here's the words that he says to us. It says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Those who put darkness for light and light for darkness. Who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. In other words, you know, at one time it was easy to identify what was right and wrong, but now there's going to come a day, there's going to come a time, and when it does, if you're a part, if you find yourself leaning towards the opposite, if you find yourself leaning to what society says as normal, he says, woe to you. When people are going, no, this is wrong, this is wrong, and they go, no, 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 it's, it's not wrong, it's free speech. And we shouldn't do that. Oh, it's okay, just explore it. I mean, you know, where pornography is called fashion now, right? What used to be called profanity and vulgar and perverted is now considered free speech. And we're just supposed to accept it. At least that's what the world says. Here's the thing. Satan uses the world and its culture, and it's the main channel through which he acts. And here's what we find, that most people don't have much of a limit on the filth that they'll allow into their lives. My wife and I, before we watch any movie, we always go to kidsinmind.com and screen it. You know, it gives you everything from the profanity to, you know, the nudity and, and all the obscenities and different things. Because, you know, there should be a, a limit. We, and we'll get to this in a little bit, but we have to guard our hearts and our minds. We're not supposed to just accept everything that Hollywood puts out to us. And so Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus in chapter 2, and he He's described this church as faithful in Christ. I mean, they've got a lot of great things, and Paul is really, really proud of this church. And this is where we're really going to land on this morning. And so he's proud of them, and they've done a lot of good things. And he's writing to them in in verse 2 as a reminder of who they used to be, who they were, and what Jesus Christ has done for them. So we're going to start there, verse 1, and we're going to go through verse 5. And I apologize because... This past week, I felt it all coming on, and I think some of y'all passed it on to me last week when you were shaking my hand. So, um, anyway, it says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions, your trespasses, and sins. Now, when we look at that word trespasses, it's the word paraptoma in the Greek, which originally meant like stumbling along. That somehow, and maybe you know this through, through hunting or you know, going on somebody else's property, you're stumbling along and maybe you saw this sign that says no trespassing. Which means, okay, this is a, a boundary, okay? You don't need to cross over this line. It's, it's somebody's land or it's not right. They've you know, said it's illegal for you to come here. And so maybe you misread the signs, but you find yourself and you're like, "Uh uh-oh, I'm not at the place I need to be. This is what he's referring to. Maybe you took the wrong road. Some of you, when you go hunting, you accidentally trespass, right? 
your own hunting on somebody else's land. None of y'all have ever done that. Okay, awesome. Well, I remember, and I thought this would kind of be an appropriate story to share. Um, Mitch Hardison, Pastor Farrell's son, when him and I were growing up about eighth grade or so, he wanted to take me to this fishing hole uh, not far from here. And uh, so we got our fishing rods, and it was, I remember it was kind of wet, but he said, now, th- this guy, um, he doesn't want people on his land. Like, we can't be trespassing. And uh, I was like, okay. And he's like, but, you know, I, I think I know how we can sneak over there and not get caught. So I was like, okay, well, you know, no problem. So w- instead of, you know, walking straight to this pond, we kind of diverted and we were cutting through the woods. And we get to this place in the woods, and y'all know what I'm talking about. There's those like wooden poles. You see it a lot on farmland. And it's not a fence, like a wood fence. It's, you know, wrapped up wire that they have, you know, nailed and just kind of kept nailing on the post. But it was old. You could tell it was a long time ago, probably before even these trees had grown up as tall as they were, you know, because I don't know why people, you know, would want the fence at that place. But anyway, nonetheless, we get to this fence, and we're not, you know, big guys. You know, we're eighth graders, and we've got our fishing rods and so we get to this place and we realize we have to cross over onto this person's property we have to trespass on this guy's land and uh so we're trying to climb and I don't know if you've ever tried to climb on that wire stuff because it's flexible you know what I'm talking about like not a solid footing or foundation so we're climbing over and I'm the first one to go over and I fall I you know kind of stumble and flip and fall and I don't get I don't get hurt or anything and so I was like, man, you know, and it's all flimsy. And he's like, all right, help me over. And so he's helping me over, and I'm lifting him up. And remember, we're trespassing. We're not supposed to be there. And we, he kind of falls over, too. We just, you know, are laughing, and nobody's hurt. And we're kind of standing there talking, like, you know, hope nobody hurt us. And then all of a sudden, like, out of nowhere, we, we had fallen into a, a mound of fire ants. And... You know, they say like when one of them bites, they all bite or they release some toxin smell. I don't know what they call it. But nonetheless, we both at the same time are like, what? And we're just dancing, you know, we're beating our legs. Like, and we both ran and jumped into this pond, just knee deep, just full out sprint. And we're just trying to get them off and we're soaking wet. And we knew we shouldn't have been there, right? But we trespassed. We deliberately or, you know, some of you unintentionally do this. And the consequences for us at that time were we were harmed. Now, maybe, you know, people, they put their signs up, no trespassing, because they don't want you to get harmed. They don't want to get a lawsuit. They, you know, if it's a logging company, they don't want, you know, the risk of you being injured. But Paul is writing here, and he says, as for you, you were dead spiritually. You were dead lifeless. That word means like a dead corpse in your trespasses and sins. Now, the word for sin is hamartia which means a failure to hit the target. You're missing the mark. You're deliberately disobeying the master. And so he says, you have trespasses and you have sin. And here's what he's doing. He's reminding them that they were dead, either A, because they're deliberately sinning, or they misread the signs. Here's what we need to know. For us, we have no shot of being holy on our own. There's nothing inside of us that is naturally holy. A dead man feels comfortable in his coffin, right? 
but it's not made for a person who is alive. Now, I've seen it on Fear Factor, and I'm like, you know what? $50,000 is not worth it to me. You know what I'm talking about? But that's what it's meant to be. It's not natural for us. Now, here's what he says in verse 2. In which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world. Now, by that, you know, the patterns at that time, the culture of that time, what society said was normal. He said, that's what you were dead in, your sins and your transgressions. And here's what we need to see in this next part of verse 2. And of the ruler of the kingdom of the air. And here's what he's referring to. He's referring to Satan. You were dead when you used to follow the ways of this world and Satan. The spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. And right there he's saying that same spirit that's working in those who don't know Jesus Christ. You're like, wait a second. Satan, the kingdom of the air? And you can look throughout Scripture, and there's other references to this. But we see in Ephesians 6, 12 that it says, We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principalities, powers, and rulers of darkness. Now, what that is saying is, it's not that we hate each other necessarily. It's that there's this sin, that Adam, that sin nature that causes us to wrestle against the powers that are influenced over society. Now, God has given Satan boundaries for which he can operate within. I mean, we look at stories how even in Job where, where Satan came and approached God. And God says, you know, have you considered my servant Job? God has put limitations on what he can do. But right now, Satan roams around the earth freely and he is considered the kingdom of the air. Now, every one of us has or currently is modeling this behavior that Paul is talking about. Now, he goes a step further to say this. Now, this is hard, to, I think, for some of us to accept because this is not what we like to talk about. The church specifically, and you know, we hear God is love and all that, and that's true. But here's what we see. That people who are living against God are serving the devil. That's what he's saying right here. In which you used to live when you followed the kingdom of the air. Jesus said in Luke, he who is not for me is what? If you're not for Christ, you're against him. And if you're against Christ, then you are serving Satan. And he's running the world. And every unsaved person, every person who doesn't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior is driven by him. And that may be hard for you to hear this morning. His agenda, his message, his rule, his way. And in the fill in the blank, here's what it says. Either you are part of Christ's kingdom or you are a part of the devil's darkness. Either you're part of Christ's kingdom and what he stands for or you are part of the devil's darkness. Every decision we make either brings light towards Christ or darkness towards the devil. Every word we speak either brings light towards Christ or darkness towards the devil. Every lingering look that we make either brings light towards Christ or darkness towards the devil. Every stretch of the truth either brings light towards Christ or darkness towards the devil. And Paul reminds the believers of where they came from. And it's a reminder to us this morning. He says, all of us, now right here in this part, he's talking to Christ's followers. All of us also lived among them at one time. He said, don't forget, you used to be this way. Don't forget that you used to think this way. 
He's reminding them, we gratified the cravings of our flesh and we followed its desires and thought. They had this, and we had this self-fulfilling attitude that whatever we wanted, we did. Whatever we desired, we took part in. Don't forget that's where we used to be. And the more our flesh hungered, the more we craved, the more we fed it. But here's the thing about becoming a Christian, and, and it's a reminder for all of us that we need to know. When we come to Christ, we don't get a better us, we get a new us. You understand that? It's not a better you, it's a new you. And, and that's 2 Corinthians five seventeen. Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. He swaps it out for us that we become new. And what happens in our new nature is our, our desires and our minds change. Before Christ, we used to think in opposition towards God. Before Christ, we used to have a moral uh, radar, if you want to call it, that was different than after we came to Christ. And he says, coming to Christ, you get a new mind. We're supposed to think differently. See, the things that you used to brag about to your friends, now you don't brag about them anymore because you're embarrassed. The things that you used to boast about, you don't boast about anymore. The things that you used to think, you don't think about anymore because why? It's a new you, it's a new heart, it's a new mind. God wants you to be new this morning. And he wants us to walk in that. It's that Romans 12 principle. It says, do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the what? Renewing of your mind. And that's what we need to hear this morning is that as the world is going this way and Satan and, and the culture is going this way, but we need to be reminded that our minds are supposed to be transformed. They're supposed to be changed. And because we've taken on that new heart and that new mind, we are at war with Satan and this world. And either we are for Christ or we are against him. See, the problem with the world is, you know, they think differently, but they're on the wrong side. You know, we're supposed to think differently. And the world, they're the ones thinking differently, but they're on the wrong side. They're so open-minded, I love this saying, so open-minded that their brains are falling out, right? Because that's what happened. You gotta be open-minded. How many times have you heard that? You gotta be open-minded. You gotta accept, you gotta accept, you gotta accept. Except when it comes to a Christian principle and it's like, no, you're being judgmental. Like the rest, Paul says, and he's talking about now, he's shifted, he's talking about the people who aren't following Christ. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Our nature, who we are, who, we're, who we were born as deserved wrath because again, there's nothing inside of us, nothing about us that's holy. So we were all like this at one point and we were unnaturally, unknowingly, warring against God and this entitled us to God's wrath sin was our nature even at birth now I heard a pastor say he was talking about babies and I just thought it was so hilarious he said isn't this true I mean even as a baby your nature is a sin nature he's like you know you have that baby you bring from the hospital and you're like I am harboring a small terrorist in my house right? 
because they will throw things at you. They don't care nothing about whether you eat or not. They will, you know, scream and cry. They don't care if you get sleep. They want to make sure that their needs are met. And if they were a little bit bigger, they would take you out because you are not moving fast enough. Now, if you're here and you're like, oh, now that's, that's wrong. You know, babies are sweet. It's because you didn't take one home. And I say that jokingly because, you know, I have a daughter. She's two and a half. Don't, she's not two. She's two and a half. She'll tell you that. And, um, and you know, there's, there's great things. But, but it is in a baby's nature. You show me one considerate baby. You know what, Mom? You've had a rough night. You've been up feeding me. I'm going to let you sleep. I don't care. I'm going to skip a meal. I'm going to fast tonight for you because I'm so considerate. Of you. There ain't one. It's like Pastor Farrell says, that ain't good English, but it's good preaching. So we understand our nature is not holy. Right? We go against what God wants for us, even as a baby. Verse four, now here, here's the buildup. And I, and I love this part. This is like the highlight of the verse. I don't know if you're a note taker, an underliner, a highlighter, but circle this next word because we read what's happening. He says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live for the ways of this world and the kingdom of the ruler of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. And here it comes. Are y'all ready for this? And we were deserving God's wrath but, but, and this is one time I can say this, I like big buts, and I cannot lie, seriously. Because, and y'all laugh, but I'm telling you, this is key because he talked about what we used to be, and he's gonna transition, this is the transition word, but because of his great love for us, even though we deserve wrath, even though we deserve sin, even though we deserve death before we accepted Christ, before we knew him, before we made the commitment, he sent his son and because he is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ even, even so, and this is so key, even when we were dead, he still sent Jesus for you and me as a gift. Now, isn't that exciting this morning? It is by grace that you have been saved. And we deserve death but he still sent his son. And we were sinners serving Satan in this world and he still sent his son. Even though we were in opposition and warring against God, he still sent his son. Why? Because of his great love for you and for me. And he is rich in mercy. And he wants you to know that this morning, that he loves you. And whether you've chosen to take that step towards him, maybe you've lived 50 years serving Christ or you're here this morning wrestling with the idea, he wants you to know he still sent his son for you, even when you were dead. And he prays and he wants you to come to him this morning. God's love for you has nothing to do with your goodness. Nothing to do with your goodness because it's not good. I'm not just an overall naturally good person. And you may go, oh, I'm good. I, I do, you know, I give to, to charity and I try to help ladies cross the street. And I do, but you know what? That's not enough for you. That's not, goodness is not going to get you into heaven. Only a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, Satan, here's what we know about Satan. The Bible tells us in John 10, 10, this, that he is come to steal, to kill, and destroy. 
He wants to steal everything that is good from you. He wants to steal your soul. He wants to steal your life. He wants to kill your self-worth. He wants to kill your self-esteem. He wants to kill your dreams. He wants to destroy your family. He wants to destroy your future. He wants to destroy every relationship that he he has. And he is using the world and the culture to accomplish this objective. And he will do whatever it takes to get what he wants. Now I want to just talk to you for just a moment. Parents, he is warring against your teenagers. He is using social media to tell them what they need to be, what they need to do. He's using that as a comparison tool of other people in their lives. And one pastor said, you know, you can't compare somebody's highlight reel to your life. And that's what we see when we look on social media, but he's using music and television and he's using the culture to tear your kids apart. Wives, he is fighting for your husband's eyes. He is throwing every image he possibly can through every advertising outlet, telling them what they want and what they need. Husbands, he is telling your wives what she needs to look like, what she needs to do, what true beauty is, and he's trying to convince you that you can do better. Couples, he wants you to just slip a little bit, right? It's okay, you're gonna get married. It's okay to live together. It's the best thing for us financially, and he realizes if he can just get you, it's like that song, A Slow Fade. If he can get you just a little bit in, just kind of dabbling into that, he knows where he can take you with it. Students, Teenagers, if he can get you to just do what everybody else is doing, he's succeeded. That's his game plan. But here's what we need to be speaking. He can't have my family. He's not going to have my husband. He's not going to have my wife. He can't have my kids. He can't have the outlets in my house. And here's what you need to hear this morning. Because we make it easy for him sometimes, don't we? I mean, we give him the outlet to come right in. If he's getting in through the internet, cut it off. If he's getting in through the cell phone, turn it off. I promise you, they may still keep sending you the bill, but I promise it's worth it in the end, right? He will do whatever he can to take down every person that he can because he knows what his future is. And he wants to take as many people as he possibly can with him. Everyone else might be drifting down the world's river. But you know what? We need to be swimming upstream, don't we? He's going to have to fight harder. He's going to have to get some more tactics because you know why? I know how it all ends. I know what the end result looked like. He knows what the end result looks like. And we have to stand up as Christians and say, you know what? Enough is enough. We have to go against the grain and the culture. Back in 1999, uh, my senior year, uh, we had an all-night paintball war. Um, with about 20 guys. It was on Memorial Day weekend. And uh, we had this idea that we would start once the sun set and play paintball till the um, next morning when the sun started coming up. And we played everything from like capture the flag to what they call like, you know, team death match where you, you know, shoot everybody until there's only, you know, or nobody left. And we did um, basically where you would defend your base where they all the other team would come and try to attack your base. And um, so many of you, I, I've told this, I'm, I'm a very competitive person. Um, I don't like to lose, and, and some of you, if you're like that, you know, you understand. But um, so we had this planned out, 
a buddy of mine had some land and um, we, for a month, we planned and strategized how we were going to win uh, this paintball war. We had pretty much set the teams. We had stacked the deck before going in. We knew who was going to be on our team. And uh, so my buddy, he owned the land, and we, um, we went through and did everything. We cut out paths, secret paths in the woods that nobody else knew about that would lead us to the back of their base. Um, that was one of the things that we did. Um, we purchased, not making this up, motion detectors put leaves on them and camouflaged them. When you walk by them, they go, ding, dong. So we knew where they were. I told you I was competitive, didn't I? And we dug these paths. We, we had our base and they had their base, and we had three paths that we had cleared out that was, um, you know, raked the leaves, and we put the motion detectors on the side because we knew that if they walked through the woods that on the part that wasn't a path, you could hear them walking in the leaves. So most of the time they were walking down here. And so we put these up. In our base, we had those deer spotter spot, uh, spotlights. Now, you could just imagine, like, you're on the other team. You didn't know any of this. And our team, we had prepared. We had spotlights. We built, we made ca- uh, uh, paintball grenades um, with gunpowder and toilet paper sleeves. And um, we filled them with paint. I could show you how sometime if you ever want to know. You light them and you would throw them, you know, and they explode pain and stuff. Uh, but, but the most interesting thing that we did was we took a potato gun, which many of you have seen before. Um, it's used as compressed air and, or maybe, you know, um, hairspray, and it shoots potatoes really far. Uh, and we took a potato gun and, and modified it to a paintball cannon that would shoot, in estimate, 250 paintballs at a time, uh, so we would pour these paintballs down the barrel and, you know, you would light the charge and shoot it and it's just like, whoo, and just annihilate <laughs> whoever would be in its way. You know, I, here, here was our goal. No survivors. You saw, you seen the movie Braveheart? You know what that looked like at the end? It was nothing compared to what our plans were to do at this paintball match. Now, the last game of the night, we played um, attack and defend. And we defended our base. And all of us were stationed throughout this base, and it was two-story, and we had our deer spotlight, we had our grenades, we had our paintball cannon, we had our motion detectors, we had it all set out. So when they came, when the enemy came, we were going to take them out. And it was so interesting once the game started because we had the paintball cannon pointed strategically at the motion detector that was there in the middle. We had the spotlights ready to point at the motion detectors on the sides and people in place. So once we heard that ding dong, it was on. And so as the team began to approach and they began to, uh, be- began to come towards us, we started hearing those things going off. And the lights would come on, and we'd just start, and then, ow, 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 you would hear them once you shot them. Because, you know, it wasn't enough to hit them one time. It was like, ow, 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 ow. And they were saying out, but they were saying ow at the same time. So that's kind of how it came about. <clears throat> but one of the guys that I played golf with on my golf team, his name was Will Smith. He wasn't the getting jiggy with it guy. <laughs> we called him Melonhead because he had a big head. <clears throat> I have a big head too, so I can identify. So it just so happened that he was the guinea pig for the cannon. 
And we were waiting for that perfect time. The charge was ready. The paintballs were in. And we heard the motion detector go off. And without, we didn't even need to cut the light on. We just flipped the switch and boom. And it sounded like The paintball sprayed, and we heard, ah! And we cut the light on, to which we saw a pink, completely covered person standing there (laughs) with his mask covered, his body completely covered. And that game ended with them taking our motion detectors and beating them against the trees and fussing at us and yelling at us because they couldn't stand it. Our goal was no survivors. Now, while we laugh at that, now, while we think that's humorous, that is the same thing that Satan wants. He wants every tactic. He's gonna use everything he possibly can to get you to go to what the world's doing. But we have to be prepared. We have to be ready. He has set things in place that if we're not walking in the word, if we're not doing our devotions, if we're not spending our quiet time, it's gonna take us over. So I'm just pleading with you this morning, let's not let him win. Let's rise up. Let's transform our minds. Let's renew our minds and say, you know what? I'm going to stand for the beliefs and the principles for which Christ has instilled in me and what his book says, and I'm not going to let him win. Amen? So maybe for you it's, it's a son or a daughter. They're just drifting along with, with society and the culture. Maybe it's, it's a spouse. Maybe you're here, they're at home, and You've been praying for them. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a mom or dad that is living every way but righteously. Maybe you're here, and I'm going to close. I'm going to ask the keyboardist to go ahead and come out. Maybe for you, you find yourself in the middle this morning. You got one foot in the world, and you got one foot trying to serve Christ. You just find yourself in the middle and you hadn't really made up your mind yet, but here's what I want you to know. If you're kind of dabbling in Christianity, if you're kind of dabbling in Jesus, there is no neutral ground. There's no middle ground when it comes to the kingdom. Either you are a part of Christ's kingdom or you are a part of the devil's darkness. And by you not choosing, it decides for you. In Revelations, there's a great battle that's going to come. It's called the Battle of Armageddon, and it's when Satan tries to make war and attack and defeat Christ. And he's obviously not going to succeed, and and he's going to be bound for a thousand years. And after that, he's going to be released into the world, and he's going to be thrown into hell for eternity. His game, his schemes, his tactics, his agenda, it will be all over because he will be forever bound to hell. And Satan and his worldly system will be destroyed and Hollywood will fail and all those anti-God organizations and religions are gonna fall. The question this morning is this, what side will you be left standing on? 
when it's all said and done and you have to pick a side, what side will you be left standing on? See, we did a series a few months ago called Act Your Wage. And in Act Your Wage, it was all about finances and giving and and tithing. And here's what we found out in Act Your Wage through polls that we did. There was over $4 million worth of debt between our two campuses. Some of you said you had debts of $5,000 or less. Some of you said you had debts of $40,000 or more. But when it all boiled down to it, there was over $4 million worth of debt. What if I told you this? Maybe you're here this morning and you have a lot of debt. What if I told you that there was a person who had agreed to pay off all of the debts that you owed? What if I told you whether it was $5,000 or $50,000, it didn't matter, that he agreed to pay off all your debts because he wanted you to be free? What if I told you that it didn't matter how many more debts that you incurred, he would agree to pay those off for you? You know why? Because before you accepted him as your Lord and Savior and you were dead in your trespasses and sins, he chose you and he wants you. And that free gift is here for you this morning if you want it. Don't walk out of here with that debt this morning. Here's what you need to know. Your debt was either paid by Jesus in the past or it will be paid by you in the future. You can accept him and let him be your Lord and Savior this morning. You can say, you know what? I'm not living for the world anymore. I'm not living for my flesh. I'm not living to gratify all these desires that I have like Paul was talking about. You could say, today I'm making the choice to stand up and live for Christ. And he will wipe that debt away for you. And you can know that you'll spend the rest of eternity once this earth shall pass in heaven. Will it be paid by him or will it be paid by you? Don't conform any way to this world. Transform your mind. Transform your desires. Transform your heart. Stop warring against God. Stop fighting against Christ. And come to Him this morning. Let's all pray. I've been there. I know what it's like to play church. I know what it's like to play Christianity. This morning, you need to know that you were bought at a high price. Maybe God's here and he's dealing with you this morning. Maybe you've been fighting for a long time and you just, ah, so hard. I know what I need to do, but it's like Paul said, I just can't seem to do it. Question is, where will you be left standing? Here's the good news this morning. All you need to do is ask him into your heart. All you need to say is, God, I know I'm a sinner. I know that I'm not a good person. I'm not holy, but you know what? Lord, I want to be. I want to live for you. I want to be a part of your kingdom. God, I want to go to heaven. I don't want just to be thrown into hell. I don't want to follow the world anymore. You don't have to say the words I'm saying. You pray it in in your own words. You just, right now where you're at, just make that confession to Him. He hears what you're saying. And then when you walk out of here today, 
We want you to, to get in a small group. We want you to, to take that next step and be discipled. We want you to, to find and get on the right path to lead this Christian life. But where will you be left standing? If you say, I want to be left standing with Christ. And I want to make that confession this morning to stop living for myself in the world. Would you be bold enough with every head bowed and every eyes closed to raise your hand and say, that's me. That's me, God. No more me, God. All you. Father, you saw the hands that were raised. And Lord, I pray that right now your Holy Spirit would just minister to them, Lord. I pray right now, God, that you would just begin to speak even as they walk out of this place, Lord, words and encouragement. Lord, thank you. Thank you for that penalty that was paid. Thank you, God, that but because, Lord, that is good news to us this morning. We love you, God, and we pray that you would help us to lead a holy life. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said together.